Would you open God's precious holy word to Psalm 51, prayer for renewal. We finished the first part, part one of the Proverbs. And we'll get back to the Proverbs one of these days, but we've also finished sections of the Psalms. And here we're going to complete, God willing, over the next few weeks, book two of the Psalms. It's going to carry us uh, on into the 72nd Psalm from what we've what we haven't done in book two is Psalm 51 through Psalm 72. So prayer for renewal. This, this, is, a, this is a familiar psalm uh, for Bible students. And well, it should be. Let's consider first of all the cry for cleansing. Now let me say this. I always take my scriptures directly from the original Hebrew Bible, which is not like the English Bible. I mean, what I mean by that is it's arranged differently. Also, they number their verses differently. So I think what I have is going to be two verses ahead of what yours will be, just so that you won't get thrown off too much. Um, in other words, I think verse 3 from the Hebrew Bible is going to be your verse one. And in the Hebrew Bible, the superscription that, that is the beginning, the title of the Psalm, they, they count those as, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, that's counted as verses. So don't let the numbers throw you off, all right? The cry for cleansing. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him when he went to Bathsheba. Probably more properly translated, went in to Bathsheba. So David spiraled into about the biggest mess a person can get in. His lust became adultery. From there, conspiracy to commit murder. From there, murder. He ordered the murder of Bathsheba's husband. And then from there, an attempt at cover up. It just, it's awful. You know the story. So now Nathan confronts him, the prophet. You are the man. And David did what only someone who is after the heart of God, who pursues the heart of God like David. David was a man pursuing God's heart, after God's heart. He did... What a person intimate with God would do. Once confronted, he there was there was there was no other cover up. There was no denial. And he gives us 
this prayer. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your covenant love. Now, grace is all from God. There's nothing that we can give back. God is the one who is gracious. So, in crying out to God, he lays his claim on the covenant love of God. Maybe your Bible says loving kindness or mercy. Chesed. It, the, the root of it, it means, it means the love that God has flowing from himself to the people with whom he has established his personal relationship. In this case, David. So David lays claim to the grace of God and does it on the basis of the truth of God's word that God has extended his unconditional covenant love to his covenant people. So he, he, he comes to God on that, can't come to God on any other basis except on the basis of who God is, not on the basis of who David is. Can only come to God on the basis of who God is. So he's gracious and he infallibly loves his people. And all of the covenant keeping comes from God. All the way through the Old Testament, they, his, even the patriarchs, they all, they commit sin. They, 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 then the people as a nation, they do bad things, but God loves them. And has established this covenant. And if not for this covenant love, those people would have disappeared. David would have disappeared. He would have died a sinful man, but for the grace of God and the covenant love of God. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your covenant love, according to the greatness of your great mercies. And then he cries out for three things. And this is exactly how God deals with us when we come in repentance and asking for forgiveness. Number one, erase by transgressions. Just erase them. Un, unsin me. <laughs> Blot it out. Don't, don't keep it as a footnote. Do away with it. Erase my transgressions. Number two, wash me thoroughly of my iniquity. David was dirty. He could not wash himself. Only God could wash him. And David had flaws and stains. So then he cries out for the third thing, purify me of my sin. Purge, purify, just bleach it out, boil it away. Blot it away, erase it, wash me completely, thoroughly, and purify me of my sin. 
David would emerge personally. Now, not, there are consequences for his sin and the rest of his life shows the awful consequences that, that came because of his sin. But as far as his relationship with God was concerned, God erased his transgressions, washed him thoroughly of his iniquity, and purified him of his sin. So his standing with God after David comes in his prayer for renewal, approaches God according to his grace and the established covenant love that he had with David because David was someone who had a covenant relationship with God because of who God is and what God's word has promised based on that and nothing else. David had nothing within himself that he could count as payment for, for his sin. Based on that, with his broken heart, God forgave him. Transgressions erased. David washed. David's life purified. In the prayer of a sinner, the child of God comes face to face with his sin, doesn't, doesn't dodge it, has to accept it upon himself. So here is David then, for I know my transgressions. Not a word about Bathsheba, how she got up there and bathed on a rooftop. Not a word about how Bathsheba agreed to whatever. Just takes it all upon himself. I did this. I, I, and I'm not ignorant. I know what I did. I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you alone have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight, in order that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. In other words, David says, it's all my fault. There used to be an old saying, who was that guy, Flip Wilson or someone? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Some people would even blame God for their circumstances. Move everything away and it's just you and God. And the truth is that God knows exactly who's responsible and what happened. So he takes full responsibility and he says, you know, I'm not concerned about anybody else around here. The only one I'm concerned about, God, is you. My relationship with all these other people really doesn't matter. The only relationship that means anything is my relationship with you, and I've sinned against you, and only you. I was evil, and you saw it. And there's, there's no blame, 
anywhere in my heart, oh God, you are nothing but just and righteous and blameless. And when you judge me, whatever you do is right. In the case of David, suffering the consequences of his sin for the rest of his life, it's a very painful thing when you study the rest of his life after this. But for David, he was cleansed in the presence of God. Now he reflects on the depths of sin itself. Look at this. Behold, in iniquity I was formed, and in sin my mother conceived me. While he was being formed in the womb, he had a sin problem. We all do. There was no escaping it because he was part of the fallen race of, of Adam. In sin, my mother conceived me. When he was conceived, it's not that his mother was evil. It is that in the womb, when he became part of the human race, he was a sinner. So he acknowledges the depths of sin that we all have to deal with. Behold, you desire truth in the hidden places and in the secret part, you will make me know wisdom. All right, so David says, when you formed me, you made within me a special part that only you know about the essence of who I am. And in the depths of my soul, you desire truth from my heart, from my thoughts. Other people may not know how I feel, what I think, but you do. And you desire truth in the hidden places, and in the secret part, same, same thing. You will make me know wisdom. You will make me know wisdom. I can't know this wisdom apart from you. So God gives him then cleansing and communion. Purify me with a hyssop. That's a... That's like a giant broccoli, right? It's a plant that's used as a paintbrush, sort of. Dip it in blood. Put it around the doorpost they did. And I will be pure. Purify me with a hyssop and I will be pure. Wash me. And I'll become whiter than snow. I will become radiant. And I will shine in your presence. Make me hear joy and gladness. There was no joy and gladness in his life here at this point. God's going to have to restore this, this joy and this wonderful thing in his heart, the joy of salvation. Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and erase all my iniquities. David says, in other words, I cannot save myself. 
I cannot keep myself saved. David doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. But he knows that he's a sinner, just been saved by grace. So look at the list here. What is it to confess, repent, and cry out for forgiveness? Under great conviction, bones crushed in, in sorrow and sadness over sin. What is it then that comes? Purification, cleansing, an opening of the heart to restore joy and gladness, to bring joy, and to know that God not only will erase the sins, but he'll look away and never search for them again. He'll turn his face away in the other direction. So that brings renewal to the penitent sinner. Create a clean heart in me, O God, and renew a stable spirit within me. Listen. In his spirit, under the heavy hand of conviction, in his spirit, he's all over the map. He's everywhere. Can't sleep. Terrible misery, failure. Seduced a woman into adultery and then had her husband killed. Abused his power as a king. Stabilize me, Lord. Renew me. Stabilize me. And don't cast me away from your face. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. When he was anointed by the prophet Samuel, he was just a boy, shepherd boy. But when he was anointed, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Namely, the empowerment of God, the presence of God to carry David into the, onto the throne as the king who would, re, who would be the one to unite all of the tribes and to initiate this great nation of Israel as their king. It was the spirit of God. It, it wasn't really David. It was the power of God in David, you know. In another psalm, David said, you're the ones who taught my hand to, to go to war. You're the, ones who made, you're the one who made my feet run fast. I didn't do any of this stuff and win these great victories. It was by your spirit. So here David says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, the meaning of my life and who I am and who you made me to be. So God restores to him the joy of his salvation. Look at this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Hold me up by your willing spirit. See, David knows that the spirit of God is not reluctant to help the penitent sinner. He's not having second thoughts about that. And David also knows that the joy of salvation can only come by the power of the Holy Spirit 
And David knows that he, at this point, he doesn't have the power to hold himself up. He's come to realize that. So he cries out for the Spirit of God, the generous, gracious, willing Spirit of God to brace him in his life. Then, having been restored, having been upheld, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. There are a lot of people, there always are a lot of people who need to hear David's experience. Not just the horrors of sin, but the grace of God and what he does for the penitent sinner. The psalmist, David gives us two conclusions. The first one is personal. All right, so let's look at it. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed. He had a man killed, an innocent man who was fighting for Israel in the name of the king, David. Uriah had him killed. My daddy told me about a man that he knew. Came into his home at an unexpected time and caught his wife and a, another man. Ran to where he kept his pistol, went in there and shot that man. Killed him. I don't know if he ever served time or what. But he would come to my daddy and he would say, I can't sleep. Been years since I killed that man, but every time I close my eyes, I see his face looking at me. Can you imagine how David must have felt? A loyal soldier. David told his commander, put that guy at the very heat of the battle on the front line. And when he gets there and the battle gets rough, tell everybody to draw back from him and leave him there by himself so that he'll get killed. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing out praises of your justice, of your truthfulness. To put him into the realm of praise unlike he's ever known. Adonai, it is not Yahweh, it's Adonai. He calls upon the sustainer, the keeper. Adonai, open my lips and my mouth will confess your praise. For you do not desire a sacrifice or I'd give it. How many times do you think David went to the altar and tried to get a better feeling for what he had done? He just it didn't happen. You do not delight in a burnt offering. 
the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and crushed heart. These you will not despise. For all that David had done that deserved the spite of God, God would not despise him because he came to God of a broken spirit and with a broken and crushed heart. Now, from there, there's another conclusion, and I call it the corporate conclusion, the conclusion for all of his people. Remember, he's the king. And the people will hear him. In your good pleasure, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Look after my people. Don't let them suffer for the awful thing that I've done. And when our hearts are right, then you will be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they'll offer up bulls on your altar. What a, what a witness, what an example would David be for his people. You're not ready to offer this offering until you're right before God in your heart. And David understood that. He knew it. He had experienced it. And he could carry that great message personally, even to his people. Well, we're going to stop there. And uh, we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.